Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm your host as always, Greg, and today we've got a couple different things we want to talk about. Uh, hopefully, uh, well, first let me say, I hope everyone had a happy Easter, uh, whether you celebrate such things or not. Uh, I hope that you maybe had a little time off, or maybe spent some time with the family, or or, or somehow um, <clears throat> had a great weekend, if that's all it was to you. So I I, um, uh, I didn't do much, you know, uh, we, we usually go and have like a, like a family dinner, is usually kind of our... Um, uh, kind of our, our, uh, tradition as a family. And uh, this year they all decided to head down to my sister's in Illinois. And, uh, and so I had to work Saturday, unfortunately, and I'm not taking a three hour road trip in one day there and back <clears throat> each one way. So, uh, so Jenny and I just kind of stayed home and actually it was kind of nice. We ordered Chinese food. It was nice. Nothing special. Um, well, I shouldn't say it is special. Every, every chance I get to spend with her like that every day I get with her is special. So, um, but we didn't do anything unique or anything specific to Easter. Just a really nice relaxing day, uh, which, which is good. And, uh, I needed something like that as I approach, uh, the anniversary sale that's coming up. <clears throat> so, uh, if, if, uh, if you don't know by now, I, I'm, I feel like most everyone does. If you don't know by now, I do own my own video game store and we have our eight year anniversary coming up. So I love doing this podcast. I love doing YouTube. I love doing Twitch streaming. None of that ever has gotten me anywhere. <laughs> I love doing it. And I think the people that listen love it, but it's never gotten me anywhere, to be frank. Um, but this, uh, my dream eight years ago became a reality and has been, um, it has been like my savior, you know, it's essentially, uh, through, through very, very hard work, I was very successful. And, um, and so while there's certainly luck, uh, involved with that and a lot of help along the way. Um, <clears throat> I worked very hard to have what I have. And, um, so th this is the culmination that eight years, which is really hard to believe that I've had my store now for eight years. Um, I don't know. It's really hard to describe, to be honest. I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe that that's possible. I don't believe it's been eight years, but it has. And so much has changed. I mean, you know, I, I worked, if you don't know, I worked at GameStop for 11 years and, I mean, I started working there before the launch of the PS2, uh, and I worked there through all of that, and I left the day before the PS... My first my first day not working there was the launch of the 3DS, and so to kind of give you a range of of what uh, what I launched and what I had been a part of, and it, it, was, uh, it was just kind of surreal, you know, and I think my goal was always to have, have my own store longer than... I worked at GameStop, right? So I've got a couple years to go, but it's eight years. Every year we're doing a little bit better than we did the year before. You know, we're still growing, which is incredible. I feel like after eight years, you'd think you would like level off eventually and then have up and down years with comp sales and stuff like that. But we're not running into that. Like we're, we're steadily growing. I think, and I say this every year, but I do believe that this will be the year where we finally like level off. I don't think we're going to keep at the rate we've been growing. You know, we've been a pretty steady 15 to 25% increase, you know, year to year, which I mean, I'm to the point now where I'm doing the sales of the weekly sales of what my best days, what my best weeks were at GameStop at, at the busy GameStops too. Not, not the slow ones, but the busy ones, the Bay Park malls and such. And so I'm getting to a point where I just can't believe that. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's funny is my staff is essentially a GameStop staff. I've got three managers. Um, we're all full-time though. There's not like a part-time manager. And then we've got essentially one part-timer that works the majority of those hours. And then a second part-timer that helps out occasionally. And it's, 
it's mind blowing really. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't want to like, I, I don't, this doesn't sound like bragging. It's just, I, I don't mean it like that. I really just, I just absolutely can't believe it sometimes where like the world has taken me and, uh, and, and through hard work and, and a lot of luck and help along the way where I was able to get. And I certainly hope if you've been to my store that you feel the same way that it is something you enjoy and you like. And if you've never been there, I would love to have you come see it sometime. And hopefully it, uh, it does hit those notes for you. Um, so yeah, eight year anniversary. So our sales going to be nuts. Um, I, I'm, I'm stressing a little bit, but that's because I stress about this stuff all the time because it's so important to me to make a big impact. And, um, obviously every sale we do, we're going for the record, right? Like the most sales we've ever done in a single day. And, um, while I don't want to share that number, uh, it is very high and it is, it is a number that we haven't been able to beat since our tax time sale in 2018. So it's been over a year since we set the record. And, uh, and you know, the thing about my business, it's so weird is there isn't a store you can go to that, or like, I don't have a distributor where I could say, Hey, I need 50 copies of Mario three. I need 50 copies of Mario world. I need 50 copies of Castlevania four for super Nintendo. Like if I could do that, my sales would be astronomical, you know, but you can't do it. There's not like a, a distributor market where you can buy stuff at, like wholesale, I guess is the way to say it. And so my sales completely depend on the product I'm getting in. So there's, there's actually like a twofold game to the, to having the game store business, which is finding, you know, offering people enough money to want them to bring their stuff to you all the time, offering a fair price that people will do instead of the other options like Facebook marketplace, Craigslist and eBay. And so you, you've, you've got to offer more, not more than what they could get on there, but you know what I mean? Like you have to offer a comparable so that people bring it to you as a matter of convenience. Cause that's really what it is. When, when I pay you less than you would make on your own, essentially you're paying me for convenience. You don't have to clean it. You don't have to ship it. You don't have to list it. You don't have to take pictures of it. You just bring a box of dirty junk to me and I take care of it. And so that's worth something to a lot of people. Their time is, you know, worth something. And if they have two or three plastic totes of stuff, they don't want to go through it. They don't want to figure out what's in there, what works, what doesn't just bring it to us and we'll do that. And so, uh, so what we have in stock though, is directly correlates to what we can sell clearly. And I do feel very good about our stock right now. I feel like uh, we had the first two weeks of April were bonkers trades. Every day was mental and that's awesome. But the last couple days we fizzled off and I hope people aren't holding stuff for the sale. Like I actually have to do a Facebook post about that and be like, Hey, if you're thinking about coming in on Saturday with trades, please come in Friday and we can bank your store credit until Saturday because people will show up on Saturday with trades, big, big totes or big, like, you know, boxes full of trades. And I'm just like, I am so sorry, but right now I've got a line literally of five to 10 people straight for the course of two or three hours. It's, you know, and we get through it very quickly. Don't get me wrong. We get through the customers very quickly, but trades always slow you down. You got to test everything. You have to scan everything, price everything like that. That is a lengthy process. It is the lengthiest process we have. So, um, but it's going to be awesome. So, uh, I'm going, we're going for the record. Uh, so I'll let you know next week if we beat it. I I just, I don't think we will, like we're going to go for it, but I don't know. It's such an astronomical number, um, which I'm sorry. I can't share with you. It's just, I keep a lot of things business-wise close to the chest, but it is, uh, it, it's, it's going to be a good one. So uh, some of the things we have going on though. So obviously we have a big sale. So all the used games are buy two, get one free. Some categories are buy two, get two free. So like if you have PS2, original Xbox, Atari games, Coleco games, that's all buy two, get two free. So you pick up four games, you get the cheapest two free, um, strategy guides, buy two, get two free. 
So essentially, stuff's like 50% off. Like this is, a, this is the best deal we run ever. We're doing 20% off our collectibles, toys, and statues and stuff. We're doing 20% off our brand new collector's editions. So like that brand new Witcher 3 collectors I have or the brand new Last of Us uh, collectors uh, post-pandemic edition. I have that. That's all 20% off. That's a, that's a substantial discount when you're talking four, five, six dollars $600 collector's editions. Uh, so we're doing all that. It'll be great. But the fun stuff. So I have a bunch of pieces of art that we're raffling off, some framed pictures and stuff. Um, everyone who shows up just gets a free raffle ticket i think that's fair even if you don't buy anything you just get one but then we're going to sell additional raffle tickets and all that money is going to go towards our extra life charity fundraiser that we do near the end of the year so this and because of that we have to break records for that so i have to find new ways to fundraise for that because last year we had one person donate 2500 bucks and it's crazy um so i don't know who it was still it was an anonymous donation and they did not tell us who it was but whoever it was is awesome and uh i can't say it enough like uh, I was blown away by the generosity of that person. So, um, uh, we, so we got all that done. Uh, and, and so we're raising more money outside of the live stream just to try to get us over that goal. Uh, I mean, we play, I mean, I raise money for the children's hospital of Wisconsin. So if you can't, if you can't donate to kids, man, come on, man, you know, uh, just do it, just do it. Uh, so you can come out to the sale though, and you can support us that way too. So, you know, we're doing all that stuff. Um, my wife, Jenny made those, uh, magnetic bead spray art that she does. We're selling those, uh, outside and those are all going to be, um, all that money's going to the, to the extra life money. So it, it's like, none of that's going back to store profits. Like that's all going to charity and stuff. So, uh, and then my friend Nate, as long as it doesn't rain, he will be there with, uh, some Tecmo Super Bowl stuff too, like outside having a little demo set up and all that fun stuff. And then I'm also trying to get a bunch of like cupcakes from a local place here. Uh, and then have those as like a, a treat, you know, as a celebratory, a celebratory treat. Um, and whatnot. So with that being said, um, it's going to be a huge sale. And I hope if anyone who listens here, who's been to my store before can make it, if you haven't come on down, check us out. It is, if it's the first time you're in the store, it is kind of a crazy day to come down. I won't lie. Usually from about 10 AM till about noon or 1 PM, the store is full. I just mean that it's full. It's at capacity. It's hard to walk around. Um, a lot of people milling around. We have usually, like I said, five to 10 people in line at any given time. Now we've gotten pretty good. Um, and we've got two registers. We've got all of our stuff is pre clean, pre everything. So the lines go fast, but there are lines. And like I said, if, if everyone who shows up just has one or two trade-ins though, it can really do uh, bo boggy down. So hopefully it doesn't happen, but it, it can be crazy. So maybe come a couple days before the sale, check us out and then come back for the sale for the deals you want. I just don't. And some people come in on the Saturday who are just regular customers. They're like, I didn't know you had a sale going on. And they're like, what is going on today? I'm like, I don't know. It's crazy. Um, but, it, but it is a fun time and hopefully y'all can make it and stop down. If, if you have nothing else going on, even if you come down get a free cupcake and, uh, and get a free raffle ticket, you don't have to shop or anything. It's just, it, to me, it's also, and like, this sounds so hokey and cheesy, but this is legit. Like to me, it is a celebration of all my friends and customers over the last eight years, you know? And it's, it's weird. Like you see, it reminds me of my wedding, to be honest. Like you see friends and people you've known over the entire course of those eight years. And it might even be people that haven't been in in a while. And you're seeing the guy that just found your store last week. And you see the girl that went to college eight years ago. And now she's got a four-year-old of her own. I mean, you're just like, this is crazy. But you see, you know, all this, you see the kid who used to come in with his dad all the time. And now he's coming in with his friends and he's 18. He's going to college, the college that's right by the store. And you're like, this is mental, but it's cool. And, and it is really, it is really cool. And, uh, 
it, it's just a celebration, I guess. And I, and I do look at it that way and it, it makes me feel unbelievable. And in the moment, it's hard to appreciate it because it's just busy, you know, and you handle your business. It is a business after all. <clears throat> but after, after the day's over and I take all the employees out, uh, after work for dinner and we go out and we, and, and, you know, it's just, there's this really weird, relaxing kind of like, look what we just accomplished together. And on top of that, for me, there's this thought of look at what I've done, like who I've brought together, you know, like I've brought together this team of awesome people, dedicated people. I've built a home for them and I've built a career for them that they can be proud of. You know, it's not just a job like the, my two full timers, it's their careers. And, and I respect that. And I have to, you know, and I, well, and I have to respect that, um, because I respect them and, and I want them to feel like this is a career. You know, I'm, I'm sick of the stigma of, and, and their family even does it sometimes the stigma of, Oh, you just work at a game store. When are you going to get like a real job? Like this is a real job and I pay real wages and they love what they do. And like, how can you take that away from someone, you know? Um, <clears throat> but anyway, with that all being said, uh, it, it, uh, it, it's just amazing. Eight years. Don't, don't know where the time goes. Um, that was eight years ago. That was, 140 pounds ago for me. <laughs> and it was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I was, I, I was all by myself, had nobody now I'm married, um, to the most amazing woman. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It, eight years when your whole life could be completely different, eight years. And, uh, that's, and that's pretty wild and that's good. Uh, and that's all good things. So with that being said, I'll stop, uh, Jib jib jabbering about uh, the store and the sale, and we'll get into the topics. So there's three things I want to talk about today. All not really huge things, actually, a couple littles. But first, we're going to talk about uh, they released the full lineup for the anniversary, the Castlevania anniversary collection on the Switch. So, um, and the PlayStation blog. Um, basically, there's a Castlevania collection coming out. We didn't know all the games yet, and so they finally released the full list. We're going to talk about that a little bit, and then. We're going to talk about the new stage creator in the new Super Smash Brothers <clears throat> that was released over the last week. And obviously, <clears throat> you know people, <clears throat> excuse me, you know people, so you also know that uh, people have made ridiculous levels, both creatively cool and obnoxiously obscene. <laughs> and, uh, and then lastly, I want to talk about something that's actually kind of old news. Uh, well, so there's two two stories actually. I forgot about holy crap. How, how did I forget about this main one? I like had a main one that I was gonna talk about, and um, and not that it really matters. Not that it really matters because it's, I'm not gonna have much to talk about because I'm not gonna watch the video again. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe I will watch that. Yeah, we'll watch that live. I don't know. I don't really feel like giving that guy. Anyway, uh, I'm not trying to like be cryptic about it. So uh, I did a story last year about Philip Muchin uh, or Muchin, Muchin. I don't know how you pronounce it. Doesn't matter. He plagiarized uh, a Dead Cells review from Boomstick Gaming, and Boomstick Gaming, a smaller YouTuber. I did this story a couple times with different people last year, larger YouTubers and and content creators stealing from smaller ones and uh and so not only did we cover the story but then we covered philip mution's apology quote unquote where he basically didn't apologize for anything and and said hey you know boomstick you're great man just keep doing your thing and but never once said hey man i'm sorry for stealing your content and uh and we will have that uh we and 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 now obviously he's he's resurfaced philip mution's back with more apologies so we'll talk about that and then um Lastly, we're going to talk about 
um, the NES Club, which was a documentary. It's actually called Nintendo Quest. I, I caught it on Amazon Prime last night. It actually came out in 2015. And I don't know why it took me so long to catch it. But basically... It's it's the if you you might have heard of it but not know it by name but basically it's it's a documentary about one person who's traveling across the United States in 30 days on a limited budget using only his own money and he wants to buy every NES cartridge every officially licensed NES cartridge so 678 or whatever it is 78 678 687 something like that anyway it doesn't matter <clears throat> so those are the stories we're going to talk about so first I want to talk about the Smash Brothers status because it's not really a whole lot to it. But basically, so in the in the most recent update, um, Smash Brothers included like a stage creator, and you're like, this is pretty cool. You know, I, I like when I like when you allow your community to be creative in things like your stages and 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 everything like that. And, and character creation is some of what made some of the best games the best. Like Minecraft, for instance, some of the best stuff was the user made content in there. Um, and, and other games like this new upcoming Dreams uh, from um, Media Molecule, the little big planet people, some of the best stuff of that game is going to be made by the community. Very cool stuff. And unfortunately, so, so, so Smash Brothers adds a stage builder, and there's some really neat stages. Like a lot of people make stages that like look like memes, and there's Winnie the Pooh here, and there's a Waluigi one, looks really good. And then, of course, come the penis stages. <laughs> so I saw one level earlier just called Mario Pissing. <laughs> It was the worst Mario made out of like wood blocks you've ever seen. And then just like what uh, I, I'm guessing is the line of piss is just like a straight wooden platform going down from his genital regions. So you're like, this is just stupid. It's so dumb. Um, there's a level called dicks in space is four steel dicks in a square shape. The two at the bottom rotate, and the bottom right rotates when you hit the level. <laughs> Just do stuff. Now there's some really great SpongeBob ones, right? So here's like a Patrick stuck in a in a trumpet, and uh, uh, here's one that looks like a Switch, like a Nintendo Switch stage where like the uh, Joy Cons come up and down. Like there's some really creative stuff. I think it's really neat. There's some Simpsons memes. Someone made Avengers Tower. Um, but w one of the interesting sides about this though um, is that. Uh, so Nintendo has, I, I haven't read their exact policy, but maybe, basically it was something along the lines of like, you can't have anything obscene, political messages, all that sort of stuff. Uh, I'm guessing they said that so that you don't have like a Trump America or, or, you know, America first, make America great again sort of things. Um, but they were also pulling down some people's levels that were saying things like trans rights. And so I guess, um, I don't, uh, I don't understand, like, I guess that could be political if it's made political, but I don't feel like standing up for someone's rights are necessarily a political thing unless it's made to be that way on purpose. And so a little frustration there from some of the creators, but you can tell that Nintendo is trying to stay out of it. They just don't want it at all. They just want to make it like, just make a fun level. Right. But as a society, we can't do that. Especially nowadays we're more, we're more, um, we seem more, what do I want to say? Like we're more split than ever, you know? Um, where is, and I was looking at some of these, there was some levels too, like one level. I'm actually kind of impressed by this. But one of the levels looks like it's a wooden cutout, basically. So imagine like a silhouette, like a wooden silhouette from the side. And it's like two people having sex. And it's it looks pretty good. I mean, it looks you can tell what it is. And it's it's but and that's the whole stage. And so you're running around and fighting Adam. Anyway, it's you know, you try to do something nice. You try to let the community make things and we show 
a lot oftentimes in the gaming community we show our maturity and we show our willingness to uh to live up to the stereotypes of basement dwelling virgins um <laughs> by creating garbage like this so not to take away from the awesome creative stuff that is out there but there's always somebody there's always somebody who has to make something obscene and awful and it's funny and i guess it's funny i guess i don't know it, it's what it is you know i don't i'm not a smash Brothers player anyway but it's like come on man like do you think they're gonna make another stage builder after this you know they're, they're they might try to like prevent this stuff from happening but you can't artists will always find a way i suppose um <laughs> so yeah uh yeah there's that um, now speaking of Smash Brothers, this is kind of a, a tag. It's a different take on a different story, but th this was, uh, yeah, this was, uh, th this I, I was not happy with mostly because the Destructoid article that I'm reading is making fun of it. So there, there's a, there's a Smash player named Juan, uh, Debidma, Debidma, and his, he goes by the handle Hungrybox. Okay. Um, so he was in Maryland at a Smash tournament called Pound 2019 over the past weekend. And and now this article, the reason I'm, I'm a little irritated by this is it's making huge jokes about this, which I actually find to be a pretty serious issue. But after he, so he, uh, so Hungrybox ends up getting knocked into the loser's bracket. Now it's double elimination. Knocked into the loser's bracket, climbs all the way out of the loser's bracket to fight the guy that knocked him into the loser's bracket. He beats him once to reset because the person who's in the winner's bracket hasn't lost yet, and it's double elimination, right? So he beats him, knocks him out, it's even, then there's one more set of games. He ends up winning. So Hungrybox gets knocked in there, climbs all the way out, in impressive feat, very difficult to do. So basically, he lost early on, had to be perfect to the end of the match. And as the match is over, someone throws something at him. And, and they actually have this live stream, and someone throws something at him, and he's, like, confused. He looks on the ground, and he sees it. Someone threw like a crab at him, like a, like a dead crab, you know, but a crab nonetheless. And so someone threw a crab at him and he, you know, he, he picks it up. And he's like, who, and he kind of goes off, you know, he's like, who threw this, you know, who the F threw this and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and he's rightfully pissed. Um, because that, that to me is wildly inappropriate. Like you're at a tournament, anytime someone's playing something like that to, 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 I mean, I'm not trying to overstate this, but like it, to me, that is assault. Like you're throwing things. I mean, what was the point of throwing that at him? Were you trying to hit him with it? Were you trying to, I, I don't know, you know? And, and so anyway, they threw this at it, at him and, and, uh, and, and so he's reasonably upset they're, they're yelling like who threw this, who threw this. And apparently they did, uh, the pound organizers say they figured out the identity of the culprit and he's permanently banned from future events. That's good. They're also telling other tournaments as a warning, hopefully they'll take similar action. Um, however, pound is not releasing the name, which I also think is fine. I mean, if, if it was that bad report him to the police then the police can release his info if they want to. Um, so then apparently after the story was released, there was an update and this was the update on destructoid shortly after posting it was brought to our attention that the crab has become the symbol of the notion that melee is dying after the game was excluded from Evo 2019. Essentially, the crab throwing was meant to signify that Hungrybox's long tournament win streak is killing Melee. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that sounds about like the, the worst cop-out I've ever heard for why anybody would do that. Um, and uh, I don't know. That that's just, that's just really crappy to me. I don't know. Tournaments, uh, he did something great. It was a great match. Uh, it was, it brought entertainment to everybody there, whether you like him or not and wanted him to win or not. And then, you know, something like that happens I mean, he's rightfully upset, 
you know, and I don't, I don't really blame the tournament organizers for something like that. Cause I mean, are you checking people for crabs in their pockets when they come? I mean, you know what I mean? It, it, it's the same thing. Like when there was the Madden shooting last year and how like a lot of tournaments aren't prepared to do searches for things like this, because quite honestly, that's never been a problem. It's never been an issue. In fact, it wouldn't have been an issue anyway. Even in the Madden thing, he went back out to his car, came back in. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's, there's something wrong and not saying that this is anywhere on par with that tragedy. It is just, you know, like tournament aren't, they're not expecting players to bring in a dead crab and throw it on the stage, you know? And so I guess you have to really, uh, you know, plan and assume for everything, I guess. I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Um, so then I got, we got two stories left. One, we're going to talk about Castlevania anniversary collection, uh, full roster being released. And, um, we're going to talk about that NES club documentary, which I, I really did not like. Um, we'll talk a little about that, but, and then we're going to talk about, uh, the Philip Mewish apology, which, you know, let me, uh, let me see if the, how this is going to work here. Hey everyone. I understand that there are people who want to know the reasoning behind what I All did. Right, so I'm going to be able to get audio. I might so not that's have made good. that Hold on. clear in my last video. So hopefully this video will help. <laughs> This guy's such a D-bag. I can't even. I can't even. I can't even. Okay, so we are going to listen to those. Because why not? Huh? Why not? Um, and But before we do that, we will talk about the Castlevania lineup and the NES documentary. So <clears throat> so the Castlevania document. Uh, Castlevania. Mm, all right. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm going to make a clip out of this one. So I got to, you know me, I got to, I got to boost it right. So <laughs> bear with me. So next up on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about Castlevania and uh, most notably the anniversary collection, which was announced. And they finally gave us the full list of games. And uh, so it's pretty straightforward. There's eight games on the list uh, <laughs> as I'm counting going down the list here. Uh, so let's go through it. Easy peasy. So obviously Castlevania one for the NES. Now they put these in in uh, release date order, which is kind of annoying. But here's what it is. So Castlevania one and two. From the NES. Excellent, excellent choices. Castlevania the Adventure. So that's the first one that came out on Game Boy. Okay. <laughs> not not a great game, but okay. Castlevania 3, Dracula's Curse. Okay, so we have all three Nintendo games. Uh, we have Kid Dracula. This is pretty cool because Kid Dracula never has been released in the States without having to get like a, a translated ROM hack or something. So that's actually pretty cool. Is it really part of the Castlevania franchise? I mean... Yeah, but not really. But that's okay. It's just it's part of it's a Konami game in the in the Castlevania. Just it's fine. Be happy it's on there. I I'm actually think it's pretty cool. Castlevania Two: Belmont's Revenge, a very good Game Boy game actually. Uh, and Super Castlevania Four from the Super Nintendo, obviously very memorable. Um, Castlevania Bloodlines: New Generation slash Vampire Killer for the Mega Drive slash Sega Genesis. Um, this is a very good list. So let me say that first. Um, what did they say this was? Is this 20 bucks, I think? I think it's 20 bucks. I don't remember the price of it. If it's 20 bucks, it's a very good deal for these eight games. Bloodlines is interesting because it actually has the different regional versions on there, which is pretty cool. Um, unless, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't know that for a fact, but the way they worded it here, it seems like all three versions are on there, but maybe not. Uh, so, so Super Castlevania 4, arguably the best Castlevania game personally not my favorite but i know a lot of people feel it is uh and and 
incredible music and looks good, of course. It's more of a reboot of the first Castlevania, though. So it's kind of weird that they called it Castlevania 4. But uh, Super Castlevania 4 is on there. Uh, notable uh, exclusions would be Dracula X from the Super Nintendo. That would have been cool to see on there, although that version is not a very good version of Dracula X. Not as good as the Turbo CD version or the PC Engine version, I should say. But, uh, you know, but it's still, it's it's a game. You know, they could have put the the uh, PC Engine version on here. My guess is they'll probably do, like, another another version of this, like a Castlevania Anniversary Collection 2 or something like that. I really hope they do because, uh, one, they could put all the Game Boy Advance games on one and then put on even, I mean, Symphony of the Night probably won't come to it, but you could put all those in there. You could put, um, uh, you know, you could put then the, uh, we were just talking about it, uh, the turbo, uh, the PC Engine version of Dracula X on there. So, uh, this, so there's options. Obviously that's already been re-released too in the Symphony of the Night Chronicles or whatever, but it, it'd be cool to see it nonetheless, but the Game Boy Advance games and maybe even the DS games, if they could somehow port all that would just be incredible. I, I'd be down for that. Uh, very much so. Uh, so, uh, so it's a good list, good looking list of games. Um, but the no the notable exceptions would be, um, Dracula X for the Super Nintendo, the, the PC engine version, not so much just because like Dracula X actually made it to the Super Nintendo and it made a U.S. release. So you think that would have been on here, but understandably it's not a great version of the game. Also, uh, there's a Game Boy game missing actually Castlevania Legends and Legends is not a good game, uh, compared to Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge. So if you want to play a Game Boy and play that one. But Legends is an interesting one because it actually came out after Symphony of the Night. It released in North America in 1998. 1998. Which is pretty wild when you think about that. When you think about Castlevania the Adventure coming out in 1989. Now, that might be the Japanese release of 89, um, actually. But in any case, uh, like years later. Um, and, and unfortunately, not great. In fact, it is the only Castlevania game that was like officially in the timeline that was removed from the timeline by Koji Igarashi, longtime producer of the Castlevania series, uh, because he felt like it messed with the timeline of the original Castlevania games. And he also went on to say uh, a little snarky comment about how only if the original development teams had been allowed some input on that game. So, uh, so but it's still a Game Boy game, though. And and I would think that you'd want to put that game on there. Like, how hard would it be just to put another Game Boy game on there? It's not taking up a bunch of space. And why not just throw it on there? You know, you should throw everything on there. But it's not, so I can't really explain why. But... It's not on there, but this is the full list. Uh, I, I was, I'm pretty happy with this list. Uh, again, I, I just pray that this somehow comes out in physical form. I'm sure it won't, but I really hope so. <laughs> um, it releases May 16th on the switch. Is it only coming to the switch? I swear. I heard that this was coming to PS4 also, but in any case, if it comes to the switch and then somehow we able to get a physical copy, that would make me very, very happy. Like this would be neat to put in the collection. I think. All right, so next up on the podcast today, we're going to talk about something that's actually kind of old and not new. And so I don't know why I'm talking about it, except that I watched it last night on Amazon Prime, and I want to talk a little bit about it. So <laughs> it's, there, there's, a, there's a documentary on Amazon Prime called Nintendo Quest, and you might have heard of it. It was One Man's Quest, 30 Days, get every officially licensed Nintendo game. So that put it at, I want to say like 678... 
or 687. I always forget what the actual number is. You know what? Let's just look it up right now because why not? Let's see what it says here. Um, 716 licensed game titles. 716 licensed game titles. Okay. So... Um, so the documentary is about this man's quest. So Rob McCollum is the creator of the documentary. He's the director and he essentially has been friends with this other gentleman. Uh, I forget his name all of a sudden. Uh, his name is Jay. So he's been friends with Jay for a long time. And he challenges Jay. That's the premise of this documentary is that he challenges Jay to get every NES game official North America release in 30 days using his own money. Now, I didn't realize this at first because I watched the movie or whatever, but then I found out earlier that it actually was a Kickstarter. They did a Kickstarter for this documentary. Now, the documentary does claim that none of the money went to purchasing the games. All of the money went to the production of the documentary. So camera, film, crew. I'm assuming that's their travel, lodging, all that sort of stuff as part of the documentary. So I'd be okay with that. But all of the games had to be purchased with Jay's actual money. Okay. Premise is pretty cool, actually. And obviously, somebody who owns a video game store... And who's a video game collector. I love the idea of something like this. So I'm not going to criticize the idea. Um, and, and it was interesting. I think it was about an hour and a half long. And I, I was into it. They definitely tried to make it a dramatic film. Like it had its ups and downs. And oh, there was a really highlight here. And then there was the low of lows. And was he going to do it? Oh, he's running out of time. Oh, he's doing like it was. It was amped up for the entertainment value. And that's fine. Because you make something like this to be entertaining. So I think that's fine. But a couple of issues I had right off the bat first one is he never said how much money he had to spend or how much he paid for anything and so that was really frustrating to me because and every now and then he would say like he'd come across a store and he'd be like oh they've got this game for 40 and this one for 50 but i don't want to pay that much you know so that was the first thing but you don't really get to hear anything and you hear when he talks about trying to negotiate buying his um stadium events cartridge when he goes to when he goes to buy that you know, there, there's a number thrown out of $4,000 and he's like ready to pay that for it. So you knew he was going to pay something like that ends up, you know, spoiler, I guess, on a four year old movie. He doesn't end up getting that one. And so there's reasons why Fallout. He wants the guy to send the game to him so he can inspect it. And then if it's good, he'll send him the money. So obviously the guy's selling it. it's like, I'm not doing that with a $4,000 game. And then, of course, this guy's like, well, I'm not sending you $4,000 without seeing the game. And the way that their pattern worked out, they couldn't fly down to Florida where the guy was. And so that's why they weren't able to make a deal in person, yada, yada, yada. And I kind of agree with what they were talking about. The, the, the movie makes it sound like the guy down in Florida wanted notoriety. So because he wanted notoriety, he wanted them to come down to Florida. And so he could show off his collection and show off the game and like be part of the movie. And and I think these guys are like, well, we don't we don't have a plan to spend a couple days down in Florida. We only have 30 days. We mapped out this whole thing. And so whatever. So that deal falls through. It's whatever. But oftentimes they'll say something like they'll go to a store and he's like, well, what can we do on these comments? Oh, I could probably do a buck a piece on these or a buck 50 on these. And like, OK. And then I'm looking at some of the stacks and it's like Tech Mobile for NES like he got for a dollar. I mean. I should say, I think those were the commons. I don't know. Like the way they shot it, it was difficult to know what he was getting, what he was getting charged for, but he would come out with big plastic totes of 50, 60, 70 games at one place. And that was, I think my second issue with it. And this might just be more because I'm a video game store owner, but I felt like he was very abrasive with the negotiations. Like he was very much like, I'm not paying 
retail price for this game. Like I'm just, I'm not doing. Oh, it's so expensive. It's overpriced. Now, I'm not saying that some places aren't overpriced on their games, but there is this weird kind of collecting mentality that I've seen over the years, which is they don't want to pay what something's worth. They want everything at a deal. Like they're remembering what it was like buying Nintendo games. 15 years ago where every every store you went to just had them in a bin and they were like three it didn't matter what game it was it was three bucks each and that's what they want they want to be able to find a 50 dollar game and a three dollar bin game and it's just with the with the advent of online um accessibility to seeing what stuff is worth checking ebay sold listings like it's a lot easier now to find out what stuff you might have and obviously with the rise and popularity of video game collecting over the last 10 years like Yes, it's harder to find that. But I run into that too. I run into people that are almost upset that you've got things selling for like what it's worth. It doesn't matter what that game is worth. It could even be $10 under value. But the fact that it's a $50 game when, oh, I I'll just buy all my games. I never pay more than $5 for a game. Like, okay, I guess. And I don't, he seemed to kind of have a little bit of that attitude Jay did in this documentary. It seemed like he just, you know, like, oh, I'm not going to pay this price. I'm not going to pay. It was, was kind of off-putting, to be honest. It was really watching him negotiate with people. And, and all I could think of myself was, so these used game stores you're going to, these are all people who have lives too, right? You know, and these are all, and don't get me wrong, they got free publicity from the movie. So I'm sure that helped them when they wanted to negotiate. But these are also people's lives too. And you don't know how hard it is to run a used game store. We talked about that. Um, Kotaku did that article maybe a year or so ago where you know about the struggling video game store owners and how tight margins are and how this doesn't work and that doesn't work and so i think about that and then i think about this guy coming in who got kickstarter money to make a documentary and then he's gonna squeeze people out for all their cash like i understand he's got a mission and he's trying to buy all these games with his own money in a set amount of time but like he's squeezing out business owners and people like like i don't know if people think this but i'll squash this right now Video game store owners are not driving around in BMWs making tons of cash, okay? Like, we do what we do typically because we love it. Now, I'm not saying I don't make money doing this. I make a very good living doing this. But I'm not, like, I could make a lot more money doing something else. I could just say that, you know? Um, but I love doing this, and that's why I do it. And so I just kind of got this weird vibe from him. Like, he didn't care that these stores had people that worked there, had stories behind them. He cared more about the story of the games and him getting the games anything else and to me what would have been really neat to see was let me hear the story about the stores too let's talk to these owners let's find out what makes them tick you know let's, let's find out why they open their store but it was you know that's not what the documentary is about and that's fine but <laughs> um plus there's actually i think there is a documentary coming out soon that's like video game store owners or something like that but um so i, I which i was not asked to be on very very big miss on their part <laughs> uh but yeah, I don't know. You know, I, I was just disappointed because uh, I felt like everything was trumped. His his idea to get every game trumped everything else, including fair prices on games. And it's not like he was twisting anyone's arm, but like he he talked about he left one place. He's like, oh, that was the toughest negotiation yet. Yeah, I don't I don't know. And then he goes to one store and apparently that store had to call the owner because the owner wasn't there. He was asking for a deal on something, which you don't know the deal he offered. And the guy comes back and just goes, oh, the boss said no. And he just goes, oh, he said no. Yeah, he said no. And then the worker's like, I knew he was going to say no, which would tell me he was probably asking a ridiculously low price. So then he had like three other games on his list and he just like walks. He's like, okay. And he puts those three games back and like storms out of the store and essentially like a huff. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, that employee didn't really deserve that. Right. Cause he's just working there. He's not the owner clearly. And stuff like that. And, and I'm sorry when the owner's not there, this is something that I run into actually quite a bit. I have people request 
talking to me all the time when I'm not at the store. And I'm sorry, I work at the store 40 hours a week. I have a life outside the store that I'm trying to build after after not having a life for many years because I was at the store 24-7. And so now I'm not there anymore. Um, and uh, I'm not there all the time anymore. And so people will be like, well, could you, could you call Greg and ask him if we could do this? And I had to almost train my employees like, you have to say no to that. You know, there's times where you have to say no, but he works tomorrow. You can call him tomorrow. You know, it's it's not like we 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 as store owners deserve to have time off, too. And so I think that idea, too, of being like, well, why don't you call your owner and tell him I'll pay you this much? You know, and then so basically that employee to call an owner who is not at the store, probably having a day off or something. And then, oh, we got a guy in here. He's got a film crew. He's He's doing all this stuff and he wants uh, this game for half the price or something. And be like, no. <laughs> and then you somehow you are the bad guy for that. Right. So I don't know. Little, little things like that, which I know my point of view is skewed a little bit because like I own a game store, but it just felt kind of abrasive and I didn't really like um, a lot of them. Also there, they went to a lot of uh, homes of quote unquote private collectors and, and that's, that's fine. Um, but a lot of these private collectors were basically on this show just to brag about their stuff. So you'd go into their houses and it was, Oh, here's like, check out my game room. He's, he's a world record holder has 15,000 games. And you're like, okay. <laughs> so like, are you only on this movie to brag about the games you have? Okay. I mean, I could have 15,000 games if I had 10,000 bad games in my collection. I don't, I don't, you know, and I don't care if people want complete collections. I, and I did a video about this. I love the fact that collecting is whatever you want it to be, whatever makes you happy. But I, I never liked that elitism in collecting. And that's what I was really railing against when I made that video about the right way to collect, which was your way. Right. And unfortunately, like that video just had a bunch of these elitist collectors in it and it was just painful. It was painful to watch. And I think every now and then, and then there's like a, a thing where they're talking about the, how iconic the music is. And then there's like two or three people that they've got like humming and, and like whistling to the theme music of these games. And like, <sighs> I just shake my head. Like there's like, it's so embarrassing, you know? And, and like, I want us to be taken seriously. Like we're fans of something we love, like be taken seriously, but it's really hard to take someone seriously when they act like that. And it was just like, and I don't know, maybe I'm being like, I'm not being elitist because I'm not saying they shouldn't enjoy what they do, but I feel like sometimes you have to, sometimes you gotta like, like rein it in, man. You know, like being excited's cool, but there's like, I think there's overboard on any level of excitement for anything. And I think that was, I think they went a little overboard with their excitement <laughs> and, uh, you know, but anyway, uh, I think it's an interesting game to watch, but there was some weird stuff going on too. Like they talked about the price of stadium events, which that price has fluctuated a lot over the years based on how many were around, how many people knew were in existence. But like one store they go to and they have a copy of Metal Gear for $19.99. And I'm like, I actually had to look up like, when did this movie come out? Because 1999, like, or uh, 2015, I'm like, that game was never 1999. Like that game was five to $10 always. Uh, I, I think it peaked at 12 to 13 to $15 for a little bit. I don't think I've ever sold a Metal Gear in eight years for 20 bucks. I'm like 99% sure. Um, but so it was interesting to watch for that. And I, and I had a lot of fun, like explaining things to Jenny cause we watched it together and I'm like, Oh, this, that game's rare. Oh, that game's rare. And he'd like, he pulls something. I was like, Oh, it's panic restaurant. I'm like, Oh, that's a really rare game. That's really cool. And I would say stuff like, Oh, Hey, that's worth this much. That's worth this much. It was, it was fun, you know? So I do recommend watching it, but there were some really some issues with the people who were supposed to be like the stars of this that really kind of bugged me. Um, and then there was like this weird moment where 
one of the store owners had a regular and he just got a bunch of NES games in. So they went into the store, but this, he, the store owner apparently had told the regular that these guys were coming in. And so this guy purposely, uh, bought for, out from under them this copy of Jetsons that he really wanted. And Jetsons is like a $150 game, roughly. And, and, you know, and then they made like made him out to be like this villain. Like he was such a, like, like he's just a rude collector, you know, this collector's etiquette. And I'm not, I wouldn't do that to somebody You're like, what? Like, what, what are you talking about? Collector's etiquette. But then uh, near the end of it, they interview that guy, the, the bad guy. And they said how they jokingly wanted to make him out to be more of a villain. So they do talk about that. But like, there's a part there though, before they got to that point where they interviewed him, where they're talking about him and it's not made up and it's not like overplayed. It's straight up as like, I don't know. I just think it's, you know, to go there and buy the game that, you know, I want like, like how did, what? Like it's so, it was so weird. It was so selfish, I guess. And it felt like nothing else in the world mattered except this guy's quest, you know? And, and again, you had a Kickstarter to fund the whole thing with the exception of the money you were using to buy your games. I mean, come on, you know, I mean, maybe that was again, part of the, um, created drama of the whole thing, but I just found it to be really obnoxious to be quite honest. Um, Anyway, but the, the, it is fun to see the games and to see the prices of games that were back then. Obviously, things have changed a lot since then, but it was still really cool. And it, it was it was fun to see the games, and obviously, he's a fan of the games. But then they would do these things like these intermediary like parts of the documentary. They would do something else to try to change the pace, to slow it down a little bit. And I just think they were misses. I, I, was, not, I was not a fan at all. So I do recommend watching it. Um... And these guys have a YouTube channel too, which I also don't understand. They seem to have abandoned it like four or five years ago, like after all this was popular. So I don't know if they started a new one or whatever, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's worth watching. Check out Amazon Prime, but I don't know. I guess I'd like to know what you think about it too. And if you've seen it, like what were your thoughts on it? I, I liked the idea and I liked the knowledge that came along with it, but I did not like, I guess, the people uh, that were like the, the, the heroes or whatever of the, of the story. All right, so lastly, hey on the podcast hey today, oh, sorry, let me let me start that over here again. Let me start that over here again. I had it up here and then I lost it. Um, all right, <clears throat> here we go. I'm going to start this over. It was an incredibly selfish act so lastly, on the podcast today, we're going to be talking about a follow-up to a story we did last year with an interesting twist. <laughs> and that twist is... Wait, what's going on here? Why is it playing? Why did autoplay, you piece of crap? All right, well, let's back that up. <laughs> let's back that up, everybody. Okay. Uh, I don't know why that kicked on. How long was that going for? Oh, it was probably because I clicked on the tab, right? Yeah, probably. I really hate YouTube sometimes. Okay, so, <laughs> all right, here we go. We're going to reboot it again. Thank you, everyone, for your podcast, uh, for your podcast um, uh, uh, patience, <laughs> your podcast patience. Here we go. And lastly, on the podcast today, we're going to do a follow-up to a story we talked about last year. Uh, the follow-up of the story of Philip Muchen, who was a former IGN editor who had been busted for plagiarizing uh, a Dead Cells review from the YouTuber Boomstick Gaming. So we talked a little bit about it. You know, we talked about the initial story, and then, but more so, we talked about the apology. And I'm put that in quotes because this apology was probably the worst apology ever. In fact, my video was titled "Worst Apology Ever." 
Um, and it was not, it was not good. And so with that being said, time goes on <laughs> and, and the world rotates all the same. However, just a couple days ago, he pops back up again. Philip Mushin's back. And this time he's actually sorry. Unlike the first apology video, which was not an apology video, where he said things like, you know, boomstick gaming, you're doing your thing, man. You just do your thing. Not saying, I am sorry I ripped off and stole your content. No, nope, didn't say that. He he apologized to IGN. He apologized to the makers of Dead Cells for, for them being wrapped up in this kind of fake controversy. But he never once said, hey, I'm sorry I stole your content. Never took responsibility for it. Okay, no problem. <laughs> Life goes on, baby. Who cares? You keep talking about game news and you move on. Yet he shows up again now. He's back. And apparently he's actually sorry. So we're going to, we've got the two videos queued up. We're going to, we're going to listen and watch these. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah. And then uh, I guess we'll talk about them. So, so let's, uh, let's do this first. So there's two apology videos. <laughs> so we're going to talk a bit about that as well, but here's the first one. Hey everyone. I'm not here to make any excuses or to try and justify my actions. I'm only here to apologize to the people that I've wronged and to everyone that I've disappointed. I'd like to start out by saying I'm sorry, Boomstick Gaming, for taking words and concepts from your Dead Cells review and passing them off as my own. It was an incredibly selfish act, and as a fellow content creator, I should have known better. I realize the amount of time and effort that you must have put into creating such an elaborate and well-thought-out review, and I can only imagine how violated you must have felt when you realized what had happened. I'd also like to apologize to Nintendo Life, Nintendo Wire, and Gadget, and Polygon for using their words and ideas in a few of my videos. Specifically, Nintendo Life for my FIFA 18 review. Okay, real quick, I just had to pause it because he's straight up going down the list of all the websites, so he's apologizing. There's a graphic on the screen right now for the podcast listeners. I know the video viewers can see this. The podcast listeners, there's a there's literally a screen on here where he's, he's listing what reviews he ripped off from what web, websites. It's incredible. Anyway, here we go. Nintendo Wire for my Fire Emblem Heroes preview, Gadget for my Samus Returns review, and Polygon for my Bayonetta preview. Lastly, I'd like to apologize to everyone at IGN for essentially dragging them under the bus with me. Obviously, they got a lot of hate for what I did, but please understand that I am the only person at fault here. I'm truly sorry for any turbulence that this must have caused in your personal lives because you all deserve much better than this. Once again, it was selfish of me to think that I could take from my peers and pass their ideas off as my own. And I understand the negative impact that this entire plagiarism scandal has had on, on the community. And that's entirely on me. But I hope that at the very least, it'll serve as a reminder for anyone who's looking to break into the industry not to make the same mistakes that I did. I'm not expecting to be forgiven and for everything to magically get better. I understand that that doesn't happen overnight and mm -hmm. sometimes... <laughs> Forgiveness doesn't happen at all, nope. and that's okay. So while I know that I can't say anything to change what I did, I hope that this can at least give these amazing creators the closure that they deserve. I truly am very, very sorry. I will never again try to pass someone else's words or ideas off as my own. I will be better. I will be original. Thank you. Okay, so that's the <laughs> so that's apology video number one. <laughs> Okay, all joking aside, uh, all joking aside, it's, it's a good apology, I guess. Like, he owns up to his mistake. He says, I did it. 
Here's a list of stuff I ripped off. I did this. It's not anyone else's fault but my own. And that's it. And so I do respect that. That do, That is difficult to do. The only thing I would like to see, though, is an apology to the people he attacked who initially called him out on it. So he did apologize to Boomstick Game, which was great. He didn't apologize to Jason Trier at Kotaku. He didn't apologize to anybody else who basically called him out. Uh, basically, remember when they called him all out, he said, oh, yeah, you keep digging like you'll find anything. Oh, my goodness. And did they find stuff? We talked about this in the video. And so that was his first apologies. That was April. Tw uh, what was the date on this one? That was uh, April 19th. Okay. April 19th, Philip Muchin apologizes for his uh for his uh terrible terrible thing from last year, was like 8 months ago or something a long time ago. But why why is he apologizing now? I I don't know. Maybe he's really trying to get back on people's good graces. Maybe he's seen his YouTube popularity fall off. Maybe he's trying to be relevant again. Who knows? Um maybe he's trying to get a job and part of getting that job was him fixing his image and his brand. And so maybe they said like, well, until you like come out and, and apologize and get like some of that apology back, we're not, we're not going to hire you um, because you've got negative, negative stigma attached to you. Maybe that's possible. Who knows? So let's close that out. Um, and so then that was April 19th. So April 21st comes reply my apologies. So like, <laughs> what what is what why do we um why did you make another video two days later was it because you were just getting absolutely slaughtered by the people um you know anyway let's uh let's watch it i mean let's find out what it is hey everyone i understand that there are people who want to know the reasoning behind what i did and i might not have made that very clear in my last videos <laughs> So, so basically he had to make another video because he didn't make it clear enough in his first apology video. Now, I don't think he actually needed to do a second video. I don't think his apology was bad, but clearly he wasn't getting the positive response he wanted. So he had to come back out and make another excuse. Now, there's some conspiracy theories going on. If you look at his hair here, it looks longer than it did before. But if you look at the other one, it was just like styled up. So it's fine. And we should all wish to have such nice hair. I wish I had nice hair. Anyway, carry on. So hopefully this video will help shed some light on any unanswered questions. When I started my YouTube channel, I started it because it was something that I really loved doing. Like I all love of us, making I videos and I love playing video games. But when I started my channel, I didn't anticipate everything happening as fast as it did. I didn't expect to grow as fast as I did. I really bit off more than I can chew. I felt pretty confident with my video editing skills and my abilities to create visually appealing content, but I wasn't always confident with my abilities as a writer. So I took from sources who I trusted and respected and, and I agreed with, and I tried to change them in a way that I would say it. But obviously looking back, I can see that I still had a lot of growing up to do and I had a lot to learn. So I'm gonna pause real quick. Because I actually really, this video I think makes it worse, if you could believe it. I think this video is him now saying that the reason he did it was he wasn't confident in his writings. So he took what other people were saying and put it into his own words. When, quite honestly, that's not what he did. He straight up stole their words. And so why he's trying to justify why it's okay here. This is where he's failing. This video is making it worse, in my opinion. Okay, we're not done yet. Here we go. 
And when I got that big break, <laughs> hold on, this... hold on. There was the, there was the big sigh. <sighs> Please feel sorry for me. Anyway, here we go. Awesome gaming company. My insecurities were amplified by like ten million, because the audience was bigger and the expectations were higher. I really wanted to do well, but I was also really scared of saying the wrong thing or putting out a bad review. I am a video editor first and foremost, and I love video games and making videos about video games, but I should have been able to own up to myself that I just wasn't the right person for that job. And you know, I'm sure everyone else would agree. Some might, people might be wondering why I even took that job in the first place, but the truth is it really was my dream job, just like I'm sure it was for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, and, and I wouldn't turn down that job. Who would turn that down? Right. I don't blame him for that, but do the job and be better. You know, if you got, if you fell into the job, you could be better. You know, he, he's got a personality. It's not like, you know, I mean, he could make this work. I, I just, again, it's, it's like, it's your choices you have to live with. And his choice was to take the, try to take a shortcut. I was blinded by my excitement to work alongside so many of the people that I've been following for so long. And I guess I just underestimated what it takes to be an IG and editor producer and podcast host it's not that hard and i know that i should have done this a lot sooner <laughs> but i was given advice not to by people who i trust oh to not come forward and talk about plagiarism in the media oh oh there it is there it is it didn't take him very long to make an excuse now did it there's the excuse he's wanted to talk about this but he got advice from people that told me shouldn't talk about plagiarism okay Yep. Once again, not Philip's fault, everybody. Let's feel sorry for him. Let's roll it. But I regret it because that's not the person I am. That's not the type of person I am. I can and do own up to my own mistakes. And this, yeah, eight months later, yeah. This was the biggest mistake of my life. So I hope that helps answer at least some questions. But if not, please feel free to leave a comment down below and I'll do my best to answer as many of your questions as I can. I know that I disappointed this community and I owe you guys, I owe it to you to be as open as possible. So thank you very much and I'll see you soon. Ugh, my God. <laughs> my God, just go away, dude. You messed up, just go away. I, I just, people like this are incredibly frustrating to me. Um, again, didn't take ownership over. I mean, he takes ownership in the first video. I think the first video is fine. Comes out with the second video trying to say now that, well, I wanted to come out earlier, but I, I didn't because someone told me not to and I shouldn't have listened to him. Like, man, are you an adult? You know, can like you just make a decision and then live with the consequences of said decision? It's not that hard. But anyway, now I think the real question that's fair after that is, does he deserve like our forgiveness? Well, I don't, I don't care to forgive him, but I don't care to not forgive him. I just don't care about someone like this. There's so many great content creators out there. Why would I care about someone like this? So uh, personally, I'll, I'll never watch his content. I am not interested in it at all. But if you like his content and you want to watch him, there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, but uh, yeah, I just, I think we should just, I think he's forgettable. And I think there's so many people out there, you know, he talks about how, oh, the, I didn't realize how hard it was to work at IGN and be a podcast host and blah, blah, blah. There's people doing all that work now for free on their own time while working other jobs, doing good content. So don't, don't come on here like, oh man, it was a full-time job and it was tougher than I thought it would be like, well, 
what did you think it would be? And honestly, I'm sorry, working at IGN is not that tough. It's something that a lot of us are doing in our free time, producing content, creating original content. And we do it with a 40 to 50 hour full-time job on the side. Well, really, the YouTube being on the side, but you know what I mean. So who cares? I mean, if you like Philip, great. You want to keep watching him, great. If you don't, great. I don't care. Um, but I had to do a follow-up because this was a pretty big story. This was this was a pretty big deal, in my opinion. Plagiarism is a big deal. Large YouTuber stealing from smaller YouTubers is a big deal. Not that he was a YouTuber when he stole it, but an IGN editor stealing content from a small YouTuber, like that's a big deal. And that's a problem in the things that I find interesting. So I'm very curious what you think too. If you agree, you know, send me a comment down in the, in the video. Uh, if you don't agree, that's okay too. Um, I'm always open to conversation as long as it's respectful and we can both argue our points. I would love to have a great debate with anyone anytime, but, uh, so that's it. So he finally admits to it, but yet still has some, some blame to lay on somebody else. All right. And so that's it for the news stories we have today, but we have our user question and we have our game of the week. So, um, let's start with the user question. So this one was kind of, um, um, this one was kind of, uh, like a, I don't want to say a weird question. It was a good question, but it was, it was posed very, very oddly and like kind of broken English, but it doesn't really matter. But the question was very quite simply, um, do you like owning a game store? <laughs> and so first of all, it's a great question. Nothing wrong with the question. Um, and yes, I do. I do it very much. Uh, I, I love what I do. Absolutely. And I'm lucky to do something that makes me happy every day. And I think that's something, it doesn't matter what you do as long as you're happy doing it. You know, I mean, you could be a garbage man, but if you find joy in that, you love your coworkers and you like the day to day, like there's nothing wrong with that. And, and I think we all long for the ability to have a job that we love. And when I worked at GameStop, I loved what I was doing to not who I was doing it for. And that's essentially why I left to open up my own store. But, uh, but I always loved the business and I do love the business still. Um, there are definitely things I don't like about it. And there are people sometimes that will make you rethink why you're doing this, the way you get treated or the, the stigma, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I ever mentioned this on the podcast before, but before I met my wife, when I was uh, doing the online dating, um, I went on quite a few dates, had no problem, but oftentimes I'd be chatting with someone and they'd be like, Oh, what do you do for a living? Like, Oh, I own my own business. And then you chat a little bit more and like, Oh, what, what kind of business do you own? Oh, it's a retail store. And then you talk a little bit more and it's like, what kind of retail store? And you're like, I sell video games. And I kid you not, I had people straight up stop talking to me after I, uh, after I said that. And like, like it was, there, there's a stigma attached to video game players and not necessarily unrightfully so. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of the times there's stereotypes for a reason. And there are people who fill those stereotypes in the gaming community to the maximum. And so I do love what I do, but there are definitely days where I think, man, this, the stigma attached to this, people think it's like a young person's game. I'm getting older, you know? And it's like, if I keep getting older and older, like, are people going to want to buy games from some old dude, you know, who doesn't understand them, doesn't understand the games they play. I don't know. And so I think about stuff like that, but I absolutely love owning a game store. I love having it. Uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I mean, uh, one thing you'll know about me or you learn about me is that I'm not very big on regrets because I believe that if you're happy where you are, everything that happened to you brought you to this moment. And, and I, I can't say, I really wish that this had been different or I wish high school had been different. Or I wish college had been different because everything brought me right here. And I'm very happy to be where I am right now. And I know not everybody is very happy right now, but if you are happy, don't talk about regrets. If you're not in the happiest place, maybe think back to times you wish were different and then figure out how to change them now. 
you know, I don't want to get too heavy and too philosophical on you, but, um, I'm not big on, I'm not big on regret personally, because you can't change it anyway. Um, time spent wishing is time wasted as I've always been told. So that is the question of the week. So let's get to the game of the week, which I think I've talked about this game before, but if I have, it's worth talking about again. And if I haven't, it's one that cannot be overlooked. Uh, so to back this up, so the game is Phantom 2040 for the Sega Genesis. This was also released on the Super Nintendo. Um, and maybe like the Game Gear, I think even too, it doesn't matter. Um, but it is a really good side-scrolling platformer that actually has upgrades. And I don't want to say it's like, it's kind of like Castlevania or Metroid where you can go back and forth and some areas you can't get to until you have like a longer grapple beam weapon. And then you can get to higher areas, unlock new unlockable stuff like that. There's only certain places you can go until you advance the story. So it's kind of halfway between a Metroid and halfway between like a level-based game, like a Contra or something like that. But it's very good. It's a side-scrolling shooter. And Phantom 2040 was a popular cartoon in the 90s. And it was based off of The Phantom, which is, if you've ever read the comics, there was a movie starring Billy Zane uh, with uh, for The Phantom. And that takes place like in the 40s, though. And this was Phantom 2040, uh, which was like a sci-fi version of The Phantom. And this is, this is actually, I remember it being a pretty good cartoon. I don't know if it is anymore. Like if I watched it today, I don't know if it would hold up. But the game definitely holds up. It is, uh, like I said, kind of a side-scroller, almost like a Castlevania-type side-scroller with a little bit of back and forth, a little bit of Metroid thrown in there. It, it's really fun. So Phantom 2040 for the Sega Genesis. I want to say loose carts are about $15 and I think completing the box is probably 30 to 40. I haven't checked that one in a while, but very good game. So highly recommended. Um, and then finally, thank you as always for listening and watching. Uh, I always have a blast doing this. Um, next week, um, might be, I might not have an episode next week. I'm hoping to get it done still. Um, but I've got some schedule mix-ups going on, uh, and so that sucks. And unfortunately, work is always going to come first. So uh, so hopefully I'll see you again next week. Thank you as always for listening and watching. You can follow me on Twitter at GameTradeGreg. You can subscribe on YouTube at YouTube.com slash DropRate. Follow us on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv slash TheDropRate. And then, of course, if you're listening on SoundCloud, uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, search for Game Talk Radio, or go to SoundCloud and search for Game Talk Radio. So in any case, thank you, as always, for listening and watching. We'll talk to you again next week, hopefully. <laughs> and everyone have a good day. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.